Hey, how you doing? I'm JR Man. How are you? Welcome to your Life's Work podcast. We are on day 21, 22, somewhere in there. I think it's 21 of uh, the social media fast. I'm off the Twits, off the Face, off the Insta, and I'm reaching out to the people that are uh, that meant so much to me in my life. Today, you're, you're going to... Listen, the other thing is I just expand on that. Honest to God, do whatever you can today to talk to somebody on the phone or face-to-face. Do whatever you can to reach out and ask somebody how they're doing. Uh, today, Sean Higgins, uh, Hollywood, uh, he's a rigging electrician gang boss. He is a Hollywood insider. I mean, his credits are incredible. We're talking Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man, Divergent. We're talking A Star is Born. We're talking Pirates of the Caribbean, Batman versus Spider-Man, Muppets Most Wanted. This guy has been around. He gets it. He knows what's going on in Hollywood. And he'll give us an education about what it's really like. JRMan.com, JRMan.com, M-A-H-O-N.com. If you need a spiritual director or mentor, let me help. Big decisions, big relationships going on, I can help. But first, Sean Higgins. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good, man. Good. It's, uh, is it still raining up there, huh? No, it's sunny and warm today. Yeah. Um, we're rolling, just so you know. We're hot, baby. We're hot. I'm always hot. <laughs> you were always a good-looking guy. I remember being jealous. Like, when you grew a beard one time, I was like, man, you're really good-looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I just look like Santa. <laughs> Hey, congratulations on the wedding, too. I know that happened over the summer, right? Uh, Labor Day weekend, yeah. Yeah, congrats. What's married. what's that like? Um, it's different because, uh, you know, what's more, more interesting, not interesting, but more surprising is that he's almost 30. <laughs> right. Not the, you know, because he's known with her a long time, and they're a great couple, and she's wonderful, so. Yeah. I mean, that was just a natural progression. So that's not as surprising as it is that he's 30. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, you're, you're on the doorstep of being a grandfather, just so you know. Well, I hope I'm not at the doorstep. <laughs> um, okay. So tell everybody, well, first off, you and I've known each other for like, what, like 30 years. Like we've known each other a long time, yeah. right? It's been 30. Yeah. I think it's like that, right? Somewhere in there. It's uh, it's probably just under thirty because Christy and I have been together for twenty eight. Yeah, and I met you after I met her. Yeah, and we both met each other doing TV. Tell everybody yeah. who you are and what you do because I think people are going to find this fascinating. I'm uh, I'm a rigging gaffer for TV and movies in uh, Los Angeles. So most most people at that point start googling rig, rigging gaffer because we see it on the big titles. What what is a rigging gaffer? Uh, it's someone who I'm in the electrical department, so whatever set or whatever stage they want to to shoot, they have to have electricity. So then it's my job to figure out how to get the electricity and the lights and whatever they want to where they want it. Yeah. I'm not there when they actually shoot. We just get everything there so they can do whatever they need. Yeah. And and we're talking like you do this you do this at like a monumental level. It's like Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man, Diver- yeah. I, w- I was looking through your IMDb, dude. This is like an amazing this is an amazing list of projects that you've worked on. 
Well, I've been around a long time, so yeah, you know, you, you end up in places. Yeah, I can remember a conversation a billion years ago when you looked at me and said, "I'm going." And uh, we were living in and Rock. you didn't go. Yeah, well, let me tell you, and I, I was going to bring this up. I was going to bring this up. I, the, one big regret I have in my life isn't that I didn't go. It's that I feel like I let you down in that whole in that whole thing. And that's, I regret that. I totally regret that. No, I, don't, I never felt that way. I, it's a big decision, you know, to to pick up everything you have and know and then go somewhere else and try and start something completely new. So yeah. for me, it wasn't as monumentous because, or momentum, I don't know, anyway, uh, it wasn't as because my whole life I'd been moving. I just got out of the army. I moved everywhere. I moved to Rochester where I met you. So for me, picking up and moving somewhere wasn't that big a deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I had had the same, you know, the same kind of movement in my life, having been all over before I met you and subsequently since then, having been all over the country a few times. So, but yeah, man, I, I, I do. I, I, part of me, when you said to me, Hey, I'm going to LA and we were like, yeah, let's do it. And I didn't do it. It's, it wasn't that I regret not coming with you. It's that I regret letting you down in some way. So, you know, I just want you to know that, that that's always been in the back of my mind. I never, ever, ever even once thought that. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, you had classic Hollywood, like, I'm going and I'm going to make something of myself in the business, and and, and you've done it. Does that make you feel like 30 years later? Like, like what does that make you feel like? Like, this is cool as hell. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of myself and what I've been able to accomplish and what I've been able to do and be way I've done it, you know, I, I make sure that I'm very conscientious of everybody else and I don't step on people to get ahead or whatever. I just work hard. So I'm proud of how I've gone. You know, I'm proud of where I got yeah. to, but I, you know, honestly, it's just life, man. It's just Monday, fall, you know, and then it's Tuesday, then it's Wednesday. So it's, I never think about what could have been or where I was or what would have happened because I really do believe that every door I open, you know, shuts other doors. So if I didn't open this door, where would my life be? Right. And I wouldn't be as great as it is, if that makes any sense. No, yeah. I Listen, I totally, I totally get it. So, okay, so when you and I initially texted about doing this, it was like, yo, do you want to know the real juice of the inside of Hollywood? And I'm like, absolutely. So... Like I had a conversation with uh, another filmmaker um, on. See, the the podcast that I'm doing right now is like I decided to get off social media for 40 days. I was like, uh-huh. it's not moving me intentionally into people's lives at all. So I'm like, I'm putting a list together of all the people that I deeply cherish, love, and that have met something to me. And so I've been calling people for the last 20 days. Uh, podcasting with everybody and I talked to another filmmaker in Hollywood who who kind of would probably say the same things you would say because a lot of people get this this weird look at Hollywood before they get there but there is a reality to what to what happens there like what are the downsides of the business if you will or, or, or what do you want people to know about that experience if if you choose this as your life you got to understand that you will have no, no normal life, whatever is normal. You don't work nine to five. You don't work, you know, seven to two. You don't get a lunch break at a specific time. You don't get a choice about overtime. 
You know, you and that's a big deal for a lot of people. And also, you don't have a job, right? And explain that and explain that to everybody because people really don't get that. Like, you don't have a job, meaning you're waiting for a phone call. Yeah, that's exactly right. Last, you know. If you, if you freelance a lot or day play a lot, you know, you could have 30 W-2s at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And that's so, a lot. <laughs> yeah. If, you know, and it freaks out accountants and it's hard to, you know, if you're in a, in a place that doesn't have that, it's hard to explain it to a mortgage company that you're a, re- a reliable risk to buy a house yeah. because you don't have a job they can call. Right. Right. You know, but I mean, the upside to that is, that if you work with a bunch of uh, dickweeds, the job's going to end quick enough and you can move on or you just say you have another job lined up and yeah. off you go. So you don't have to keep yourself in a toxic situation. Yeah. And are, are toxic situations common then at that point at your level of the business? Um, you know, it's it's not. Yeah, you can be just, like, there's different kinds of people, right? So different kinds of people gather together. And if you just happen to get into a, a group that you got to work with, you know, 60 to 80 to 100 hours a week, and you just don't fit, it's uncomfortable and it's not fun. Yeah. Or if you're on a show that's, you know, on the verge of getting canceled or it's just a bad show or whatever, you know, it's it's not fun. And if you're going to work this hard, this many hours, it's got to be fun. You know, no show is ever going to come up with the cure for cancer or the cure for war or anything. All we're doing is trying to make entertainment. And if it's horrible to be on it, why be there? Right, right, right. I also know that, like, for example, over the years that I've known you to do this, like, you've gone out of town, like, your Detroit trip, when you were shooting out of Detroit, I mean, you were there for like half a year, weren't you? No, I was there for almost two years on two different shows. I oh, did uh, two years. One, one I was there for nine months, and another one I was gone for nine months, but I was there in New Mexico and uh, Illinois. Illinois. But I've been all over. And what are what what were? Because I I remember one of them was like Superman versus Batman or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're doing that, what's the family structure like? Like what's happening there? Like how are you doing that day to day and still maintaining marriage and kids in the whole nine yards? You don't. You don't. Yeah. And that and that's No, you know. When when you're sent out of town, they're paying you a lot of money. You're gonna work seven days a week, you're gonna work long hours. You know, a twelve hour day for us is thirteen hours elapsed and that's basically the minimum. Yeah. So you got no time to do anything. And, and on a movie, they think every moment often is the most important moment of, you know, the, the, the entire existence of the planet. So you can't say, Hey, next week, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take off. I'm going to go visit my family. That, that, that doesn't fly. Yeah. What? And, and so, so you have to be willing to deal with missing your family. And how does that work in the marriage? Like, how do you and Christy kind of settle that up? Like, was there conversations going into it? Or are you just like, you know, in the moment kind of dealing with it? Or or what's happening there? Well, I think, I mean, she and I have a pretty special relationship where, you know, there's no, there's no second guessing about us. Like, we don't have trust issues, if that makes any sense. No, yeah, I got you. You know, I'm not, I'm never going to do anything to hurt her feelings in any way. 
she's never going to do anything to hurt mine in any way. So none of the common, um, you know, problems that you have as adults come into play with us. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, like, yeah. I'm not going to cheat on her. She's not going to cheat on me. Yeah. She's half of me. I always say we're, we're like, uh, chocolate and vanilla soft serve. It's like, yeah, there's two sides, but you can never take it apart from each other because they're intermingled. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's super evident. Like I dude, some of the best times that Di and I have had <laughs> in our marriage have been spent with you and Christy and watching you and Christy. I mean, it's just been a riot. So, you know, hats off to you guys for having figure out this lifestyle. What, what generally happens to people in the business that can't figure that out? Like what generally happens? Cause there's gotta be some people who can't figure it out. There, there's tons of them. Every show you go out of town on, there's always that chick or that dude who falls in love with somebody who's on the crew and they they fracture their lives because of you know loneliness and you know they end up hooking up with somebody else and then getting divorced and breaking up with their kids it happens every movie every movie yeah was it every yeah is it more out of town ones, you know? out of t- is it more so on the production side or does this happen all the way through the movie from the directors of the actors all the way down through production it's everybody I don't I don't really know about directors and actors. I'm not just a dirty cable donkey who wears a tool belt. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, yeah, because that's another thing people don't realize. People don't realize that on one end of production, you're not intermixing with the folks in the trailers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and people and people often get that idea that oh, I'm I'm in rigging, and they're like, oh yeah, you're hanging out with Tom Cruise today. No, I probably my I might not see Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly the way it is. Yeah, that's a thing. What about your love for movie making, like like moving to that space? Like, what about your love for movie making? I remember seeing a couple pictures um, that you uh, were were sharing on Instagram with some of the cable runs and some of the things that you were building, um, you know, for some of the different, uh, you know, sets and and studio spaces. I I mean, what about movie making? Like, I mean, talk to me about your love for that, because there's got to be a love in there, right? Well, you know what it, what it is for me is um, it's you get to go places that uh, most people don't go, even if they're horrible, horrible places. But you also get to every time you're there, as stupid as it sounds, it's a problem and you have to solve it. And the 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 fun is in solving the problem, right? You know, and doing what somebody might think is you know, you know oh that can't be done. Yeah, watch this. You know, it's. It's it's doing it's doing it and making it look easy and that's what that's what is fun for me. That's Batman Superman was probably the most satisfying show I've ever worked on because the entire nine months it was that way. There was you know there was difficulties every step of the way. Not anyone's difficult, but you know this is a hard set. That's a hard set. And the fun was figuring out how to do it in a timely, cost-efficient manner. So that's what I love. It's not necessarily the shows or the movies because a lot of the stuff I've worked on I've never seen yeah that's so. in, that's interesting you don't go see the final product once they're out uh, some I do some I do but a lot of times I don't because it just doesn't interest me you know it's it's not my my thing yeah yeah 
The um, and what a lot of people don't realize about what you do is like, let's say you're on a location that's void of any electric power. You're you're the guy that goes, okay, how do we get electric onto that big sand dune to throw a light or two up there so everybody can see what they're doing? Yeah, um, in reality, anywhere we go, that's the issue. We, you know, you go to um, somewhere downtown Los Angeles, there's plenty of electricity all around you, but you can't use it. You have to, you want to be isolated from everything for for A, for safety, and uh, B, for controllability. Right. So, you know, using um, location power is not really not really that big a deal because uh, we don't do it. We just bring, we bring everything. Yeah, so you're talking about pulling, like, truckloads of generators in and that kind of stuff and then doing yeah. what you got to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't realize when we bring a generator in, it's, it's the small ones that are 1,200 amps, so that's, pretty much equivalent to like 10 houses worth of power. So yeah. no way you're going to be able to utilize, uh, you know, the house's stuff because yeah. everything is based, every building is built on what they need, not on what they maybe a film company might need. Yeah. Plus you don't want to be beholden to tying into somebody's shit and then it not working. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's, yeah. Or not being able to figure out why it's not working because stuff doesn't work all the time, but you got to just, figure it out at that point what's uh what's a project that's like a fond memory like what's a project you were like oh damn what a great show i worked on and i i loved it like what's that one memory that sticks out for you uh well i really did batman superman was probably the best uh the best i don't want to say career but the best like um satisfaction i ever had and then uh I did Super 8 in West Virginia, and I had the most fun with those guys that I've ever had on, on a location show. It just was fun. They were great people. They are fun to hang around with, you know. And what was and what's but, that like? That's like while we're working, we're busting balls, but we're also partying when things are done for the day, that kind of stuff? Yeah, just really being able to, to get along with them. It's, it, it could also be that because I'm from the Northeast. When we were in West Virginia, all the guys were from Pittsburgh. Yeah. So it's really the same people. Right, right. The same, you know, we grew up the same way. Yeah. And then, that, and that's also why Detroit was so popular, why I love Detroit, because it, they were like Buffalonians. They're the people I grew up with. So it, it might sound weird, but, you know, you go to, like I went to New Mexico, and those guys were super nice, super hardworking, but they just, we weren't exactly the same, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, and I, it's not a... It's it's not a, a color thing or a, anything like that because we have every ethnicity, every color. It's more just what your surroundings were as you grew up and how you react to different things. Yeah. What are the steps? So here's somebody coming to Hollywood right now. What are the steps to become you? Where, where are people going? What are they doing? Because I know your entrance into the business was probably different than what its outcome is now. So what are those steps? What's your advice? Here comes a guy driving across Iowa right now wanting to be on the production side. What are you telling him? Yeah, tell him turn around and go home and get a real life. <laughs> okay. Because you're, first off, it's unless you have an, an in, it's really hard. Yeah. And it's a super hard life. And I don't think I don't think people anymore are used to working as hard as you have to to get in. Yeah. Yeah, what's stupid, but. no, well, no. What does that look like? What does young Hollywood look like, especially on the production side? Because man, I I see Netflix shooting like you know thirty shows, and at some point, 
at some point there's some bullshit happening, I guarantee you. So what's the young Hollywood look like now? What do you mean? I don't, I don't know. Well, it's, it's like, you know, when I think in terms of production, I mean, product, like there is a, there is a real classic quality way of doing things, especially on your end, because A, it's so damn dangerous, but B, there has to be a, a real attention to, to what you're doing as far as your movie making. So what is, you know, are you seeing a difference between people that are younger coming into the business and shaving corners or not doing things properly? Or is it still same old, same old? No, it's, uh, you know, with the, with more production, that's always better because that's more jobs. Yep. But as you get more jobs, you know, the talent pool does get thinned out. So sometimes the jobs are harder because maybe the guys you needed are too new or, or whatever. And that's in every job, every position, every level. Right. So yeah. that does make it harder, but that's going to affect every single show across the board. Because the biggest movies are now going to lose some guys who are going to do this other show. So it's it all kind of it dilutes the pool for everyone, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So the guy coming across from Iowa, what's the best way to get contact made to get an in? Like, what are the best ways to... Like, he's pulling in, he's got 50 roommates in West Hollywood. What's the best way for that guy to just get an in? Well, if, uh, it, it depends what level you want to be on and what you, you have to really kind of plan or know your strengths and weaknesses and decide what you want to do. For me and my side of it, the, the smartest or easiest thing to do is to go to like a gear rental house and see if you can get a job there because that'll teach you what the equipment is. It'll teach you how heavy the shit is. It'll teach you a lot of stuff. And eventually, as guys like me loading shows going through and coming through, we'll come into contact with you. And that's how you get your name out there. Right. Right. You know, and then hopefully you can meet somebody and they'll take you on a non-union show or they'll take you on a music video or a commercial or something. And if you're lucky, you can turn it. Or if you're lucky, when there's, when there's uh, permits allowed, then you can, you know, get a job with that. It's very hard. Yeah. No, it, it's it, very hard. It, it's tremendously difficult. You had to you had to get into the union. Was it super difficult to get into the union? Yeah, the union is very hard to get into. Yeah. And because what go ahead. It's just, it's just it's just um you know, it's not a right to work state. So, you can't just say I want to do the job. You have to get into the union if it's a union job. Yeah. The ways to get into it are just like, you know, you get into the longshoremen or the fire department. You, you just have to do your time for a little while, uh, 30 days, usually in a calendar year. And then if you get that, then you can apply to pay to be in the union. Yeah. Yeah. What, like... If you're you know, not in the union, you're not going to work in the bigger shows. Yeah. And that, and that's, and that's the thing, right? The thing, and, and, and there are people that are like, and I know a few of them right now who are trying to get into the union and it, it, it's a big pain in the ass for them. Um, yeah. What talk to me about good set citizens? So when I, I mean, I, I, I help a lot of people and consult a lot of people, like kind of move through the news business, um, particularly market to market. And I tell people all the time, yo, you got to be a good newsroom citizen. I mean, you can't be a jackass. You can't be all about yourself. You know, you can't be like, you know, constantly making reels and you know think that other people are more enamored by you than you are them. What makes a good set 
guy? What makes a good guy? Like, cause I know you, you gang, right? So you're like a gang boss sometimes. So you're the boss, right? Yeah, no, I'm the boss. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so you're, gaffer, yeah. yeah. So you're the boss and you're managing people. What makes a good, like how, how, do, how do you hire, you know, how do you look like, what guy are you looking for? What makes a good citizen on your set? Well, for me, the first thing I, I, I always look at is if you're a minute man, if you show up, if my call time is 6am and you show up at 559, then I know that you're just a minute man and you're not going to put in the effort required. It sounds stupid, but it's really pretty easy to judge. You know, like for me, if I have a six o'clock call, I back time my life so that I'm there by 530. Right. And that's, and I'm not expecting anybody to work. That's when we shoot the shit. We, how was your night? What'd you do? You know, put your tools on, let's get ready to go to work. And then at six o'clock we'll hit, we'll hit, hit the job. Yeah. But if you show up at six, then, you know, you've already taken some of my time because now you're, you're changing, you're getting ready after six. Yeah. I mean, it sounds stupid, but no, I don't pretty, yeah, I, I, pretty I, easy way to judge where somebody thinks their, uh, entitlements are. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah, um, I don't, I don't think that's dumb at all. That's a principle that I live by when I was executive producer and I would hire line producers. If you, if you weren't there a half hour early to set your show, you, you weren't, you weren't working for me. That's just how it goes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't want you looking like a bum. I'm not, listen, we, we work in the rain, we work in the mud, everybody gets filthy, but if you show up filthy, then if, you know, the wrong person sees you, that, that looks bad on me. Yeah. I don't, you know, I'm not saying you gotta, listen, I wear t-shirts and shorts to work every day, but if you show up in rip shorts or rip t-shirts or you're filthy or it's like, just put a little effort in, put a new t-shirt on Jesus or $5. <laughs> and what? half the time you get free ones on the shows. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, and so when you're managing people, what's like one thing you can give a, a new manager that would help them out? You know, I, dude, I was managing, <laughs> I was managing 70 people at one point in my career and it was, uh, there are so many little tricks that I use, but what's one little management trick you use to keep people going? Well, there's, I live by the, you can, you can pull a rope, but you can't push a rope. So I learned this in the army that if, if you're at the front of the rope, you can pull it and it will follow you. But if you're in the back and you're just shoving it, it'll go everywhere. So you lead by example, you do, you do your job to the best of your ability and then people are going to try harder. Then I also, I take care of people the way I want to be taken care of. So I don't put people into situations or, or anything that I wouldn't do. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. No, no, that's, that's good stuff. So the last, so in our remaining time left, cause I only do 30 minutes. I, you also have another passion, which is growing these hot ass peppers, like the hottest peppers in the world. Yeah. So I yeah. want, I want you to tell people about that because I actually tried, like we went over and swam at your house one day and you had like four different varieties of sauce that you had grown the peppers and blah, blah, blah. But you grow like the hottest pepper in the world where you live, right? Yeah. Yeah. I actually started growing the hottest one this, this year and I got hundreds of them. And what, and so tell people what you do with these, because these things aren't, I mean, I'm serious. Like there are guys that are like, oh, I could, I could taste it. But I mean, it's like, what are you doing with this thing? (laughs) Well, 
You know, that's a good question. I, and the reason it started is because I, I used to make uh, chicken wings a lot. And I like them hot, so I'd go to the store and I'd buy whatever pepper I needed, the hottest one I could find, which was always a habanero. And one time I went, they were 50 cents each. Well, I need 40 habaneros. So that's 20 bucks worth of freaking peppers. <laughs> Holy shit. So, so like the next day, I went to Home Depot and I bought myself three habanero plants. And those little bastards, they were $3 each. <laughs> they gave me probably a 1,000 peppers each for like two years. Oh, my God. <laughs> so then, you know, now you're like, well, if I can grow that. Yeah. So then I, I moved on. I, I grow about nine different kinds now. And all I do is I dehydrate them and then I blend them a certain way to make it a, uh, like a, like a pepper flake that you put on stuff. Right. And I like giving it out to people because there's a lot of people who think they're tough guys and can, I can eat anything. Really? <laughs> Try this. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's also, it's also a pretty easy way to advertise because every job I get is word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah. So if people know me as the devil faced pepper guy. Yeah. Then, yeah. Well, I can I can just tell you my middle boy Angel thought he was tough as nails and he tried it and he about jumped out of his own damn skin and he you know and I mean that's that's saying something cuz he loves the hot stuff. Is is growing the peppers and and making the sauce and doing is that kind of your zen? Is that where you kind of like find your like peace zen kind of thing? Yeah, well cooking and all that is kind of my thing cuz uh you know, working this job, you usually only get two meals with your family, if you, if even. So they're important to me. Yeah. So I really started cooking and doing a lot of stuff for cooking, and then that's just part of it, you know. Yeah. To have, so that's yeah, it's kind of makes me happy, yeah. takes me away. Yeah, that's good, man. Everybody needs that. Um, okay, well, listen. Another part of this exercise is to let you know you know how much I love you, how much I care for you. Oh my gosh, you've meant the world to me. I would say it's some. Well, not at some level. Like, if I think back to, like, the guys in my life that are, like, my brothers, like, real brothers, like, you're one of them, dude. And I can't thank you enough for, you know, always picking up my phone call or answering my text or, you know, just being... Yeah, it's pretty amazing because I got caller ID and I mean, I could ghost you. <laughs> well, I, I really do. I love you, man. You're a brother to me. I love Christy to death. I, I don't think I love a couple as much as I love you guys. You guys, you and you've always been a great inspiration and a sense of strength to me. So thank you very much for almost 30 years of friendship. I appreciate it very much. Well, I appreciate it too. It's been a long, fun ride. It really has. It really has. And uh, dude, I wish you luck, obviously. And hopefully we can get up there and see you uh, very, very soon. Cool. That'd be great. Ah, Sean Higgins. Uh, good Irishman is what he is. Um, hey man, I hope that shed some light, uh, or it just gives you an education about what's going on up there in Hollywood when we're, when people are shooting shows and movies and all kinds of shenanigans. JRMan, JRMan.com. Hey, get my book, Year. It's on Amazon. You can search my name or Year, uh, on the big Amazon and you'll find it and purchase it. Um, I think you'll like it. It's 365 contemplations, uh, geared for one purpose, and that's for you to slide in alongside the divine to kind of start that wonderful experience that um, is already going on inside of you. Um, and I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy it. Hey, if you're looking for a session with a spiritual director or a mentor, uh, I'm your guy. If you're hammering out the big situations in relationship, your profession, or your faith, count me in. Uh, I'd be more than happy uh, to help you. All kinds of numbers, all kinds of emails on the website, jeremy.com. Uh, be more than happy to help you. Sessions run an hour. 
Um, although I can do more than an hour. If you want face-to-face, I'm in Southern California, L.A. to San Ysidro. I'll drive to see you if we can't get together via phone. Or, or you come to see me, however you want to do it. Anyways, I love you and I appreciate you on your passion. Get off the damn social. Stop siloing your life. Touch somebody today by reaching out and saying hello. I love you. I appreciate you. We will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.